Today's gospel lesson takes us back in time to a little bit before Easter, before Good Friday, takes us to the night that Jesus was betrayed. If you remember that night, Jesus had gathered his friends together with him in an upper room. He washed their feet and then shared a meal, taking bread and then wine and saying, this is my body given for you. This is my blood shed for you. It must have been so intimate to be there with Jesus, to see his love poured out in his words and actions as he fed them and washed their feet. And yet the sadness in the room and the worry and the terror must have been palpable. They knew he was going to die. And then he started telling them that two of his best friends who were in that upper room were going to do some terrible things. I know Good Friday was awful, but sometimes when I think about what Jesus went through on Monday Thursday, it takes my breath away. Peter, the one who was the rock, would deny knowing him. And Judas, while Jesus was just trying to find some time to pour out his anguish in prayer in the garden, while Jesus was begging his friends to stay awake even for a moment with him, Judas would come into that garden and with a kiss betray Jesus and hand him over to those who would kill him. So while this has just happened and what are Jesus' next words? Don't let your hearts be troubled. Trust in God, trust in me. The first words of our gospel lesson today. I love knowing that Jesus is speaking those words to a group who must have been so scared. I can't help but wonder if John didn't have to edit out some of the words of the disciples that were like, uh, wait, what? Too late, Jesus, my heart is already troubled, or Judas's ouch when Bartholomew kicked him under the table. But aren't those words just balm for the soul? I have read them at countless memorial services. This is Jesus at his most revealing, most comforting. He knows he's going to die and he shares his beloved, his departing words with his beloved. He will be leaving them, but it is to prepare a place for them with the Father. And he will come again and take them there so they will never be alone. I had a friend tell me the other day, you know, it's so weird. I feel like I'm homesick, but I never leave my house. I have that same ache I used to get when I was homesick when I was a kid. I finally figured out that I'm homesick for people. I've had people say things like this in some form or another to me a lot. They don't miss the running and driving around. They don't miss the wondering where their teenagers are and who they're with. They don't miss feeling like there's never enough time to eat dinner as a family. They miss standing close to people. They miss seeing whole faces when they go to the grocery store. They miss coming to church and sitting in their pew with their friends. We are homesick for people. It's those little things, isn't it? When someone we love dies, it's the little things that we miss the most. The smell of their aftershave, the silly looks they gave, the shared jokes. We miss all those unique things about each other that make us who we are. So I love what Jesus does here. He fills them with reassurances. 
he tells them about his father's house where there are many dwelling places and that he will be going there to prepare a place for them so they won't be alone. So that even when they can't see Jesus, they will still be with Jesus. He will make a way for them. Then Thomas, dear sweet Thomas pipes in, I'm Jesus. You say we know where you're going, but personally, I don't have a clue. What are you talking about? How are we going to know the way? Jesus answers with a reminder of who he is. Those I am statements showing that he and God are one. I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. You come to the Father through me. Then Philip chimes in, Jesus, if you would just show us what the Father looks like, we would be all we would, that would be all we would need. And we're reminded how hard it is to be a follower of Jesus. That there are almost never times when our faith and our belief isn't sitting right next to doubt. Jesus has told them again and again that he's God. Since the very beginning, he says they will see it and they will hear it, but they still doubt. I think these questions are at root about fear and worry. They know what's going to happen to Jesus and they can't do anything about it. We get that. That's probably the worst part about this time, isn't it? That we can't really do anything about this. I mean, yes, we can stay home. Yes, we can call each other. Yes, we can pray, but we don't know when it will end. We don't know if we'll be okay and it's really hard. An author I love, Kelly Corrigan recently did a piece talking about the COVID pandemic. She said that sometimes when she's really scared and worried about something, what she likes to do is she likes to pretend that it's all over and that she nailed it. She imagines what it will be like when we've done everything we could and everything has turned out for the best and it's just, this is just all over. I'm gonna follow her example and I want you to join me. What will it be like for our church when we finally turn the corner on COVID? Well, at first it was scary and awful. Every day it seemed like there was more bad news. People dying without their families, more people out of work, canceling church for the first time and even on Easter. But then we started to rise up. We put our first service online. It was glitchy and there were weird pauses, but we learned. We started to pre-record the services and we started to include videos and pictures of you to remind us that we aren't alone. We invited our friends to be a part of our virtual church and they did. Hundreds joined together for Holy Week and we found out that people were watching our church in Silverdale, Washington, in other parts of the country and some even in other parts of the world. We shared devotions and study groups on Facebook. 98 year olds called the church to ask what they could do to help and they started calling people. People in the church remembered they are the church and called on each other to check in and buy groceries for each other and run errands for each other. 
our youth learned how interesting and fun to talk to our elders were. Our Sunday school teachers sent notes. We missed each other, but we knew we were still the church. We Zoomed with each other. We realized how important small groups and studying the Bible together are. As we Zoomed, we heard dogs barking. As we listened to sermons, we heard cars driving by. We saw kids walking in the background, but it felt like we got to know each other a little better. We read our Bibles and prayed for each other. We reached out to our neighbors, talking from porch to porch. We found out that we could be the church anywhere. And we also found out that we need each other and we became much closer because of it. We found out God's church was so much bigger than we realized. And then when we came back together, we were so much stronger. When Jesus said that he was going to the Father to prepare a place for us and that it was a place with many rooms, he was talking about a place in heaven, but do you know what he was talking about even more than heaven? He was talking about forming the church. This last will and testament of Jesus, if you will, his final words to his disciples, and that includes you, before he died are his hopes and dreams for us. I think he's imagining with the disciples what it will look like after he dies and they nail it. Jesus promised he would prepare a place for us and you know, we're in that place. We are the church. Just as Jesus and the Father are one, we are one with Jesus and the Father. When Jesus nailed it, when he died for us and then rose from the dead and then ascended to the Father, he did this so that he could be with us through the Holy Spirit, no matter where we worship, no matter where we live, through good times and bad, no matter where we go, no matter what. This is such good news and oh, this changes everything. We will get through this. We are the church. We are learning in this time that the church is so much bigger than we ever imagined. And Jesus is still at work, joining us to him and to the Father. Or as Peter wrote in our first lesson, that disciple who denied and messed up all the time, as Peter wrote about the church, and that's you, <laughs> you are chosen a royal priesthood, holy, God's own people, in order that you may proclaim the mighty acts of him who is calling and bringing you out of the darkness of this time and into God's marvelous light. We've got this because Jesus has got this. Amen. <laughs>